today's service is going to be about the Lord is willing. But before I get into that, let's just go before the Lord in prayer and lift up tithe and offerings to him. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, uh, for just for the many works that you do in our lives, Lord. And um, we lift up the tithe and offerings to you, Lord, just to continue to do your work, Lord. And we see it happening down there in Peru, Lord. I, I, I know there's a lot of uh, young men and women, Lord, that are, are looking forward to just sharing the gospel, Lord. And we pray for them. And we pray for their safety. We pray for their boldness, Lord. And we pray for their encouragement, Lord. And so we lift up tithe and offerings to you, Lord, just to continue to do your work, Lord, um, just to share the gospel here in our community and abroad, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, today's message is going to be based around, um, well, Mike's teaching through uh, Matthew 8, and or he just got in with Matthew 8, and I, there was a verse that caught my eye, and I was like, wow, we could really do a deep dive on that. But Matthew 8, 2 through 3, and I'm just going to read it real quick for you. A leper came and worshipped him, this being Jesus, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I, I, when I read that, when Mike shared that with us, I, I instantly felt, I don't and uh, maybe, I don't know if this was intended, but I, this is how it worked on me. I felt convicted. Because there's two things going on here. One, the leper's willingness, his faithfulness, his trust in, in the Lord and the Lord's ability to, to do anything and the Lord's power. And then all the second thing is Jesus' willingness to heal the faithful. And, uh, and as, as we go through the study, I think you're going to see and you agree with me. And just really, our battles really come to a, a point of willingness. And you look at the Lord's willingness and our willingness. And if you look, I, I don't, something else I found, the, the word willingness, and I was, I was like, well, I'm going to do a deep dive on this. What does it mean? And, what's, and I got to the Hebrew meaning of, or the Hebrew word of willingness. And the Hebrew word for hil, uh, willingness is Abba. A-B-A-H. And it sounds a lot like uh, the noun Abba, A-B-A, Father. I found that very fascinating. That the Father in action is willingness. In his very essence, the Lord is willing. Uh, I just thought, how powerful is that? So I want to read through, and if you turn with me to Joshua 24, and we're going to read from through Joshua 24, 1 through 15. And we're going to read a little bit about God's willingness. And as we read, I want you to think about the history of the Israelites. And uh, Joshua 24 does a really good job of just summing up um, much of their history and the trials that they went through. So Joshua 24, 1 through 15. So as, you, as, we, go th- as we read through this, I want you to think about the Lord's willingness for his people. So Joshua 24, verse 1. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terran, Terah, and the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father, Abraham, from the other side of the river, and led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and to Esau I gave the mountains of Seir, 
to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also, I sent Moses and Aaron and plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward, I brought you out. Now remember, this is God speaking, right? This is the things that God had done for the people. In verse 6, Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. And they fought with you, but I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them before you. In verse 9, Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of the Moab, arose to make war against Israel, and sent and, sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to ba- Balaam. Therefore he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hand. God delivered them. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. Also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat the, vi- the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your father served in, on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve with whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I like that last part. We will. A willingness to serve the Lord. What we will do. Much of the Old Testament is just about this, isn't it? God's willingness to provide a way for his people his people choosing to follow him for a time, for a season, and then rebelling. God punishing his people for not following him and worshiping false idols or not following his direction and when, to, when, to, and when not to go into a land. And that's the battle that's going on. God's willingness for his people and his people in rebellion. And it's not any different today, right? That's the same struggle we have today. We have the law. We know the truth. And anytime we, th- we talk about um, whether somebody's saved, we're talking about really what it comes down to is a willingness to follow the Lord. So let's, let's talk about that. Unwillingness to follow the Lord. And I, I told you I went through and I looked up what willingness was. Well, here's something interesting. I, another interesting thing. I, th- I think it's interesting. Unwillingness. In Hebrew is ma'en or M-A apostrophe E-N. Now, that's only, it sounds a lot like man. Man in Hebrew is Adam, right? We know this. But I just found it very fascinating that the word uh, they use here for in Hebrew for unwillingness is, sounds a lot like man. And that, isn't that true? In our essence, we're unwilling, 
We're born sinful creatures. We're unwilling to follow the Lord. In 1 Samuel 8, 7 through 9, it reads, And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people and all the way and, and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they reject me. Right? This is what God's telling Samuel. That I should not reign over them according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, heed their voice, however you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Talking about a worldly king that they're, at, they're about to ask for. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, no, but we will have a king over us, that we may also be like all the nations. You're talking about the nations of the world, right? When we, when we, typically, when we see people rebelling against God, they're choosing something of the world. And here they're choosing to have a God, or not God, a king, a, a man king, instead of God king, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And 21, and Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voices and make them a king. Their Lord is willing to be their king. He is their king. He is our king. He was, he was the one that was judging them. He had already proven that he had won many battles for them. I just read in, back in Joshua, Joshua all the battles that he had won for them. And they're choosing their unwillingness, unwilling to follow him. They're choosing something of the world. And Nehemiah 9, 16 through 17 reads, But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to thy commandments and refused to obey. God was ready, willing, and eager to pardon and to be merciful and to hold back his anger Verse 17, but the people who lived in the days of Moses refused to obey, unwilling to follow after the Lord. And that really hasn't changed with man's heart, has it? People are just refusing, unwilling to follow after the Lord. In Proverbs 1, 24, because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand, no man regarded. God, God called man, but refused. Man refused. God was willing to pour out his spirit onto them and make his words known to them, but they were unwilling. God stretches out his hand to us, and yet many of us could care less. We, in our day-to-day -day lives, it really comes down to a question, are you willing or an unwilling servant of the Lord? I'm not going to just beat up on the folks that were in the Old Testament. Jesus says in Matthew 23, 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Willingness. Willingness to seek after the Lord. So let's talk about Jesus' willingness. Jesus' willing. Going back to uh, Matthew 26, or excuse me, Matthew 8, pardon me, Matthew 8, and the verse that Mike just covered a couple uh, Sundays ago. I'm going to read one through uh, three again. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And 
Then, then Jesus put out his hand, touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately leprosy was cleansed. Two important parts of that. The man who was sick and Jesus. The, 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 the man was a willing follower of Jesus Christ. He believed in Jesus. He believed in Jesus' healing powers. Right? And the other part is Jesus. Jesus is always willing to heal us. Jesus is willing to always to cleanse us of our sins. But we have to, we have to be willing to come after him and accept that. In John 10, 15 through 18, it reads, As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore the Father, therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. We take communion later. later. We're going to remember that Jesus was a willing sacrifice. He chose that. He knew every bit of that that he was going through. Jesus was willing to leave the splendor of heaven. He was willing to leave eternity to come to this broken world for us. He was willing to take on human flesh with all its frailties. We all can, I complain all the time. I'm not, I'm not even that old, but I'm working with teenagers and I'm always like, well, compared to you, my knee hurts and compared to you, my back hurts, right? We all complain. We all are subject to that frailty. Jesus chose that frailty. He didn't complain about it. He said, this is what needs to be done. He did it for us. He was willing to endure the rigors of a fleshly birth in the lowliest conditions. He was willing to go through the dependency of childhood. Think about that. To be dependent. He chose that. He was willing to expose himself to all the hardship, hardships of life in this fallen world. He was, also, he was willing to submit to his own law. He was willing to do his Father's will at every point. He was willing to serve when when he does fact to be deserved to be served. He was willing to serve when he in fact deserved to be served. Think about the Lord in our presence. And he says, I'm going to wash everybody's feet. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to do all these things. Right? Jesus bled and sweated and was cursed at. He chose those things. He was willing to be misunderstood and mistreated. That's one of the ch- biggest challenges of service. Um, Pastor Mike talks about all the time, you know, we, we judge ourselves on our intentions and everybody else judges us on, on our actions, right? Being misunderstood. Uh, that, that's one of the, the biggest pitfalls that a servant can ever fall into is being misunderstood and think they're mistreated. No, you're getting treated exactly how Jesus was t- being treated, right? So if you're going to be in the service, be willing to, to go through those things. He was willing to endure rejection and gross injustice. Jesus is willing to preach a message that would cause him personal harm. There's a lot of pastors, young pastors, in their 20s in Peru. They're looking at, that's their prospects right now. They're sharing a feast and they're getting fed and they're getting their cup filled up and they're about to go into hostile territory. And it's not just in Peru, it's, in, it's all over the world. 
He was willing to suffer public mockery. Public mockery. I think that's one of the big, another big challenge for us. Our pride. Sharing the gospel and worrying about being rejected. Worrying about what somebody, you know, somebody might make fun of us or, or whatever. Bring our faith into question. That's not, that's not going to bring my faith into question. That's just a reflection of you. We can't let our pride go into it. Jesus was willing to, to go through that. He was willing to endure physical torture. He was willing to go through the pain of his father's rejection. Remember, he was separated from his father. That, could, uh, that to me, I think, was the, the, the greatest, most painful thing Jesus had to go through, being separated from his father. He was willing to die. He was willing to, willing to rise and ascend to be our constant advocate. Jesus was and is willing. He's willing for each and every one of us. In 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4, it reads, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. This is God's desire for all men. God is willing, but man is unwilling. God does not desire that any should perish. And we must choose. It's important for us to understand this. If, if you, sharing, you are sharing the gospel with a non-believer, this is what it breaks down to. Just a willingness to choose. Willing or unwilling. And as a believer, that's something else we're falling into too. We are put to make decisions every day. Every hour, we're making choices. You made a choice. Are you willing to get up? It's a beautiful day outside. Do you want to come in here and listen to me talk or you want to you know, go on your day? You're, you're making a willing choice Every day, every hour. Are you choosing the Lord in your actions? Or are you choosing something else? Are you choosing the world? Are you choosing those of your, of your past? So I'm going to talk, talk about four things and how we can apply this to our lives and things that we need to look at as far as our willingness. The first one is a willingness to be obedient. In Isaiah 1, 19, it reads, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good, eat of the good land. That's all those things that the Lord had promised we must be obedient. And in John 14, 15, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You willingly will choose to keep my commandments. Every time we read one of those laws, every time we read a commandment, and then we go out into the world and we conduct our day, we make a choice. Am I willing to follow after the Lord? 1 Peter 1, 14, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Don't be choosing other things of your past before you became a believer. You know the truth. Each and every one of us, are, you know, if, you're, if you're a believer, you know the truth. As in being in the knowledge of information or what's going on, you know how the universe was created from day one to day seven. You know the history of the Old Testament. You know the lineage of Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus who died on the cross for our, for our sins. Jesus who resurrected and ascended to heaven. There's no going back. You are a knowledge of the truth. We cannot be ignorant people as we once were before coming to knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ. And I reread that, that first Peter. As obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. We have to put the things of old behind us. We can't be chasing after the things that we used to chase after. Acts 5.29 But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. All right? we're, we're called to be 
law-abiding citizens and be a good example. But when it goes against God's word, we, we have to follow after God. This is said in response to the apostles had made a choice that would result in, a th- in threatening consequences, but they did not care. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and were determined to do what God wanted them to do. They chose and were willing to follow God regardless of what the worldly consequences were. So we talked about obedience, willing obedience. What about willingness to serve? Willingness to serve in, in First Chronicles, and this is a lengthy one, but bear with me. First Chronicles 29, 1-9. Furthermore, David said to all the assembly, My son, Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, because the temple is not for man but for the Lord God. Now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might gold for the things we made of gold, silver for the things we made of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, and iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, and onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all things precious stones, marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house my own special treasure of gold and silver, 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of, of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses. The gold of these things, the gold of things of gold and silver of the things of silver, and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Then the leaders of the fa- fathers' houses and leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands of the hundreds, with officers over the king's work, offered willingly. And they gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents, 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 18, talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jehiel the Jerishite. Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly. They had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. And later in 17 it reads, I know also, my God, that you, have, that you test the heart and pleasure in uprightness. As for me and the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. God wants our hearts, but he wants it chosen free, freely. It doesn't matter where we're serving, whether it's serving our neighbor, serving somewhere in the children's ministry, worship team, soundboard, or wh- whatever, coffee ministry, it's a, it's a ministry. It doesn't matter what we do. We have to, it's got to be done willingly, not because, well, someone's got to do it, not begrudgingly. And if sometimes we can get worn out with our, our service. And there may be a season where you need to take a break from that. The Lord wants our willing service, our willing service. So we had willing obedience, willing to serve, and willingness to pray. First John 3.22, And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. It pleases the Lord to see his children lifting one another up. If your child or your family member is struggling, I want to become right alongside you and lift them up. Lord knows everything's going on in all, each and every one of our lives, the things that each and every one of us are struggling with. But it pleases the Lord 
to lift one another up, to encourage one another, to weep with one another in some cases, and pray. In Hebrews 3.12, it reads, Beware, brethren, lest there be any an be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another daily. And in 1 John 5, 14, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. We have to get better at taking our trials and tribulations to the Lord. We have to do it first, not the last thing. It's not a last resort. Um, this last three days, I had the pleasure of going to uh, a Christian educators conference in Myrtle Beach. And one of the speakers, he was, a, um, he was the principal for a high school. And... Um, he was working on his plan for the school year to start. The school was about to start in three, three weeks. And he was sharing the story that he, as he was getting his plan prepared and the, the weight of the every, everything starting and, he, you know, a lot of it's falling on his shoulders to include the expenses of a $200 repair to the, the leaky roof that they had at their school. And he was really kind of at, at his ends uh, for that and he didn't really know what to do. Um, and it, it came to the point where he was just like, you know, he, he, he just didn't, didn't obviously the answer wasn't going to be found in him. His phone rang, and he got a call from one of his maintenance guys, and said, hey, the school's on fire. And so he's just like, it's kind of like the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. And he goes, okay, thank you. I mean, there was, the school was not in session, so there's no kids, and there's no staff was in, it was a day that none of the staff was there, and the one person that wouldn't be there was a the maintenance guy, and he called, and it, you know, it was on fire, the school was on fire. And it was at that point, he was like, he just started praying. And he, he, he shared with what basically what his prayer was. And it essentially was this, Lord, these are your children. These are your children. This is your school. These are your teachers. Anything, it was just a reminder that anything good that is in this world is the Lord's. So this is, Lord, this is your problem that you need to resolve. Because I can't, I, in my own means, I can't do anything. And after he prayed, he was like, well, should I bother going to school? I mean, do I need to go? And, I, you know, he was, I just got done working out, and I think he said he was at Panera Bread, you know, working, using their Wi-Fi. That's something I would do. Wi-Fi is horrible at my house. But anyways, anyway, so he, he goes to school, and he's, I can picture him standing there in his tracksuit, and indeed the school the, the school's on fire. And every fire truck from the entire county is there putting it out. And part of him was like, just let it burn down. That was, that was his thought about it in his flesh. He's like, just let, maybe the insurance will cover it. I, I don't know. The fireman, the chief comes up to him and says, like, don't worry, we got it under control. And he's looking at it, and now it's not a leaky roof. Now it's got thousands of gallons of water in it and smoke damage. And he's like, great. Three weeks, school is supposed to start. The Lord's people showed up. The Lord's people fixed the roof. It, and the, the damage ended up being like in the neighborhood of $600,000 and the insurance covered about a third of it. The, you know, the community of the Lord provided. They, were, they went back to school a week late with a brand new roof. You know, 
it don't always end that way for us. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, we need to be taking our, our, our issues to the Lord first. And it don't always work out that way because we don't see the Lord's plan. But we, I think we have to remember that the things that we pray about, the, the lost son or daughter or someone who's sick, those are, all, those are all sons and daughters of Christ. Those are all God's children. Lord, save this, save this son. Save my son. Save your son. You know, heal my aunt who's struggling with cancer or whatever. Th- your daughter, right? We have to remember that these are all these are all God's things. So now that we talked about prayer. The last thing I want to talk about is a willingness to be in God's word. We need to study God's word. In Luke twenty four forty five, it says, "Then he opened their mind to understand the scriptures." But, you know, we, we must be willing to open our Bibles to get into his word. If we don't start with that, then we can never hope to understand him. We have to be in his word. We open our minds through our willingness to understand and to learn and to believe exactly what the scripture says. We open our minds through the love of the truth, God's truth. We have to be in the word. So at this time, if I can get the uh, elders and deacons to come forward, we're going to... We're going to go through, we're going to do communion. And uh, we're going to go ahead and start passing it out right now. And as a, we went back to the old style of cups and, and crackers, not the, the stuff that we had to open up. So let's not have any accidents. I, got, I see, some, see some white shirts and some light shirts. We don't, oh, thank you. So we, don't, we don't want any accidents out here. But I thought with, with this message, I thought, you know, how, how important is it to remember the willing sacrifice? that Jesus made. And to just share a couple of Bible verses with, it, with you as they, they pass out the communion. In Romans 8.32, Paul said, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If he's willing to give us his son as a sacrifice, how is he not willing to give us all things? When we go to the Lord, we see that God did not withhold his only son from us, but he gave him freely that we might know his salvation. And the bread and the cup of communion demonstrate that God has not withheld any good thing from us, but that he is more than willing to give, us, give it all to us. His willingness, we can pray to God with confidence, knowing that he will, he will receive the good that we ask. thinking about the guys down in Peru right now. I wonder if they take communion. And I, th- I was thinking, I wonder if there's spicy or different type of crackers. But it's not. It's the same. Communion's the same everywhere you go. They're doing the same thing all around the world. All the believers. All right, well, Jesus, and we're, we all partake together. Jesus asked us to carry out the simple tradition to remember that he gave his life for our lives, that he was poured out to wash away our sins. Like baptism, communion is a spiritual symbol and a reminder that what Jesus had done, what he willingly did, he was not a victim. And in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for 
If I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Communion holds power not only as a symbol, but also reminds us to invite the Holy Spirit to examine our lives and to continue to do his work of washing us by the grace of Jesus. And I'm going to read Matthew 26, 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Let us pray. God, thank you for sending Jesus, who not only lived for us, but chose willingly to die for us. The Son of God who came to in the body of a man and gave himself up so we could live. Thank you that his body was raised back to life. Thank you that because of the grace of Jesus, we have real life. We can live forever in you. Amen. Please partake. And in Matthew 26, 27 through 29, then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the many uh, for the remissions of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Let's pray. God, what an incredible picture this is of your love for us. You allowed your only son literally to be poured out so that we could have, be fully restored in relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your blood. Amen. Please partake of the cup. We remember that Jesus willingly chose to do what Jesus willingly chose to do while taking communion. It can feel somber, and that's fine. But don't forget that this is an incredible reason to celebrate. You are encouraged to not just experience the symbol of communion, but to live it in truth. We are set free because Jesus is alive and giving us, giving us life to the full. Uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, we, just, we thank you for this message, Lord, and a daily reminder that we need, Lord, that we have to be willingly coming after you and seeking you and deciding for you each and every waking moment that we, anytime we're given a decision, Lord, that we choose you, Lord. Help us to put away the old self, Lord, the unwillingness, the sin in us that chooses not, not to choose you, Lord. And so we just thank you for this. We thank you for the sacrifice, Lord, and we remember it, Lord, and we, th we are grateful for it, Lord. Uh, in your name we pray, amen. If you need prayer, uh, I invite you up. We'd love to pray with you. If you haven't accepted the Lord, we'd, I'd love to talk to you about that and the next step that you, we need to do for, in that regard. Uh, God bless and have a wonderful day.